You're listening to the Hardcore Honeys Podcast, starring your hosts, the snarky, the sassy, and the pretty Jade Auxiliary Things Johnson, the all-knowing, the all-wise Shay Vassar, and the man in the middle, Mr. TJ. And here's the show. Hey, honeys and hunks. It is the first official week of the off-season with all its crazy shenanigans coming up. Jade, are you ready for the more-than-likely chaotic off-season? Yeah, I mean, I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be. It looks like it's going to be a bit hectic. I mean, and it was last season, too, but it's just different. It's going to be different this year. And I think we're gonna we're looking at another season where it's going to be impossible to predict what's going to happen because there's no... There's, again, going to be very little continuity from one season to the next, just in different places now. Shay, are you prepped and prepared for all what may come? Listen, we have had such an unpredictable year. I don't think I'm ready for what could happen. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm overhyping it, but at this point, I'm just ready for, like, anything and everything. Well, I mean, there's players, there's coaching, there's a whole bunch of other things that are going at it. So it's going to be a fun one. This week's episode, we're going to be hitting up a little bit from everything to LeBron James and Kevin Durant final comparisons, the limbo that Houston is in a little bit, and the Clippers have some chemistry issues with some new coaching. So first thing I'm going to start off with, uh, Shay, uh, Sirius XM radio NBA analyst host Justin Termite says Jimmy's title loss is better achievement than Kevin Durant's finals. Do you agree with that statement? A hundred percent. I mean, this goes back to something we've been saying all season mixed with everything that I think both of you would even agree with me on regarding KD. But I'll go with my first point first. So the Heat were never supposed to be in the finals, right? Like by the, like we just didn't expect it. Like sure, they're a cute little team is kind of how I saw them at the beginning you know they got some good rookies that we're going to keep our eyes on them they got Jimmy Butler in a new spot like but we didn't expect them to go all the way and they did that to me is already more impressive than KD who joins a team that was already being watched so yeah KD went and was like another piece but he wasn't necessarily needed on the Warriors the Warriors were already fine KD was just greedy and he wanted his own rings That's not impressive to me. If he had gone somewhere else in the way that Jimmy came into Miami, led them through a decent season, led them through a decent bubble after that, that shutdown, and then to the finals, and then his leadership skills through the injuries in the finals, then yeah, I'd be like, Katie's impressive, but he, he doesn't have that kind of leadership. So no, Jimmy Butler, so much more impressive than and his loss than Katie's. Continuing with the Kevin Durant thing, Shay, whose finals MVP is more impressive, Kevin Durant's or LeBron's? Gosh. And Jay, um, be ready for this question, because I got this one for you too. I want to hear it. But first, Shay. I mean, part of me just wants to go with LeBron, if only because I stay with that same sentiment of what I said about KD. It's like, sure, he's a good player. It's impressive, but I don't see him, him as most valuable player. And I don't necessarily see LeBron as most valuable player on the Lakers all the time, but his numbers are still more valuable on the Lakers than KD's were to the Warriors. So it's not like the margin between the two of them is like close. Like I'm not saying that they're two super, like they're great players. Don't get me wrong. And LeBron, like, of course he was going to win MVP. But KD, like, was just kind of who they gave it to. I mean, it could have gone probably to anyone So on that team. I mean, honestly, they were already a great team. We There was, like, that run where we were just like, cool, you know, the season hasn't even started, and it's the Warriors going to the finals. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to LeBron. Give it to LeBron. Jade, who is, whose finals MVP is more impressive, KD's or LBJ's? So I kind of hate this question. It makes me want to quote Shania Twain and just go, that don't impress me much for <laughs> both of them. I kind of hate that finals MVP automatically goes to the winning team. Okay. I would make an argument that Jimmy deserved finals MVP this year, even there was though Miami didn't. Wasn't. See, that needs to happen more often, I think. This would be a year that you could really make a solid argument that it should have been Jimmy, even though he did not win the ring. 
I mean, the Lakers were stacked. We knew this. They went into the season stacked. I don't like the Lakers, and I picked them to win it all. So, like, it's not a surprise. Like, we probably could have guessed that LeBron was going to get finals MVP before opening night this year. So, I don't know if it's because it was so easy to see coming that it doesn't impress me in both cases, both KD and LeBron. Like, those are both kind of like, yeah, sure. Finals MVP, yeah, that tracks, I guess. They're not finals MVP performances that people are going to talk about and remember because nobody had to put a team on their back and, and get them all the way there. KD, your, your, your people that you're playing around are the Splash Brothers and Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green. Happy for you, not impressed. LeBron had AD and all the other veterans that have been to the finals before that know what it takes, that know how to lock in and get there. Same. Happy for you. Not impressed. If I have to pick one, uh, I guess LeBron. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. The reluctant LeBron comment. It's very reluctant. Fun, oh, little fun trivia. Okay, do you guys know who the one person was that won MVP in a finals loss? I don't know it off the top of my head, but when you say it, I think I'm going to be like, oh, yes, I remember now. I feel like I'm going to be like my dad told me. I don't know why, but. The logo himself, Mr. Jerry West in, ah. in the 70s when he was the Laker. He was the last one on a losing team that won finals MVP. So a little fun fact there, a little, little nugget for you to enjoy. Next thing, Houston's been going a little bit crazy downhill. Jade, is this the beginning of a rebuild for the Rockets? I mean, if you're a Rockets fan, you have to hope so, I think. They've had a certain amount of success, quote unquote. You know, they've had winning records. They've been a playoff team. But they've never gotten even really close to getting over that hump. Maybe, one, I think, once they got close. And that's as close as, they, as they've gotten. So I think it needs to be. I mean... With that squad, the way that it's built, if you don't have D'Antoni as a coach, you have to change everything the way that I see it. Who's going to come in and coach your centerless squad with a six foot five <laughs> starter if it's not Mike D'Antoni? So then, Shay, where should the Rockets go from here? Do they trade star players? Is Harden on his way out right now? Oh, this is such a hard thing because... Of course, the irony in them trading for Russell, for Harden to come in, and then I no doubt feel like Harden is in the main office, like, requesting a trade. I mean, I know they're friends, but I just kind of see Harden as a little bit slimy. Like, not as slimy as KD. I, Nobody's that slimy. <laughs> no one's that slimy but KD himself. And in some ways, I do kind of get that because it's like if you have a coach who is building a team and you fit perfectly in that team and then he's no longer there, you're like, OK, now if he's not here, I don't want to play without a center. I don't want to play this this weird version of small ball that obviously is not going to work against the Lakers, who are the reigning champs now. Like there are so many questions that have to go in here. I think it'll be interesting because. I really don't know how that's going to work. Like, I don't really know how the trade would work. I don't think Harden is a bad player, and I think he would be an attribute. But it's, like, mentally, as someone who is not a hardcore Houston fan, but has casually watched some of their games during the regular season, to me, Harden fits on Houston. They have, like, a certain identity. And I, I think it's odd to, to think that, like, Mike D'Antoni's gone and that maybe Harden will be gone and that even you know there's just like a certain identity there that is hard for me as a basketball fan to to see that like change but we are going to see that transform because it's it's a whole new not only coaching staff but front office as well we're going to see a whole new front office come in I don't even want to put words down to say like what I think because again anything is possible. We literally had a shutdown and then they rounded up all of the NBA who were eligible for playoffs and put them inside a bubble. Like this is the year for anything to happen. And I think I think Houston's going to be a weird one to transform. 
a little bit. I can't remember where I saw it, and I only saw it once, so I don't know how credible it is. But I did already see some rumor of Harden being shopped in trade. I have a feeling he's not going to be an easy trade for a couple of reasons. Big contract, first of all. Second of all, if you don't think Harden is going to lead a team to a ring, which I think if you've been paying attention, you kind of have to assume that at this point. You've got this a bit of an ego. He seems a bit low-key, but I think he has enough of an ego that he's going to want to go to a team where he's in charge. And you've got a big contract. So I feel like there aren't that many teams that would be able to, one, take on his contract, and two, give him the kind of role that he wants. Because Mm -hmm. I think the rest of the NBA already knows outside of Houston that running through Harden as offense is like one of the easiest offensive schemes in the league to break right now. And we see it every year, year after year in the playoffs. It's an easy offense to screw up when you get to play a team at least four games in a row. There's not a lot of tricks that they have to throw in or adjustments that can be made just because their their system is so odd. But something else to keep in mind, and I got this from good friend of Hardcourt Honey's, Parker Ainsworth from Effin Sports Podcast. He's a Houston fan. Oh, yeah. So he was talking about it in our Slack channel in the last few days or the last week. And he says Houston's issue is the ownership, which Mm. I would defer to him because he knows his basketball and he's a Houston fan. And one of the things that he mentioned is that he has always been unwilling to go into the luxury tax even though he carries two players pretty much all the time that eat up almost all of the cap space and regardless of the changes to the team and to the front office if the owner is going to continue to have that as his mo then it seems like houston is kind of going to be doomed to stay where they are and even though where they are is decent their perennial playoff team they always have a winning record it's disappointing when you're spending that much money and you know you're probably not even going to get to the finals every year so so jay just answered what i was just about to ask so shay i will ask it do you judge the owner's vision on how to run this franchise now because he said that the cp3 contract was the worst contract in the league I mean, I think on any team, you have to judge the owners just because they are kind of the ultimate guy. No matter what it comes down to on the court, whether it be coaches, players, all of that, it's all about who is in that front office. And I think Jane made some good points regarding what he has refused to do despite having some major contracts and the luxury tax. I think, you know, Harden is a hard one to shop too because. We saw some of his defense in the in the playoffs, but like he's not an all around player. You know, I mean, he's like infamously bad at defense uh, because he's a bit lazy. So I think that is a very important thing, because say you were in a position to go into that luxury tax and you are able to partner Harden with someone who is better on defense on the other side. So that way you have the offense of Harden when he's on fire, and then you have the defense that can like completely stop. That would be an unbreakable team. And either that or you need to figure out some some other stuff going on. Like you can, even without having a center, you can have small guys who are good at defense. I mean, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I know they exist. Like Kyle Lowry. Okay, Kyle Lowry is a perfect example of an offensive player who is great at defense. Like, that's what Houston needs if they're going to do, like, a a no-center thing moving forward. But I think, too, with, like, the Chris Paul thing, it's ridiculous because, yeah, it's a a huge contract. Do not get me wrong. Like, it is a huge contract for someone that doesn't have rings. He's not finals MVP, like, a certain amount of times or even once. Like, I get that. I get that that might make it look like it is a big deal, but I I think what is underrated with Chris Paul, and I'm not even the biggest CP3 fans, but what is really underrated with him is his leadership skills. And if you do not have a leader on your team, which right now 
I think we saw some of that with Houston because Harden had to fill in those shoes while Russell Westbrook was trying not to overstep anything as the new guy. And then you you just got no like presence on that team. Like you could tell that you just needed someone that was just like, hey, we need to get our act together. And that's what Chris Paul kind of did for that team. So I don't know. I, I think that saying that he's the worst contract, I'm like, I know. I mean, I think the worst contract is the ones you didn't make with making any sort of defensive trades, signings, shoppings at all. New question that just came to mind with it. If they would have had Clint Capella in the playoffs, Shay, would that have changed things a little bit? I think a little. I don't think completely. I still think that they would have been missing. Just because, again, it's like the Lakers... The Lakers were just really the worst matchup for that Houston team. And even with Capella, I, I still think they would be kind of like a, a rudderless ship, which sounds like I'm like talking about literature, not basketball. But you know what I mean? Like they needed someone to put them together. Harden is not that guy. He's he needs someone that kind of like, I mean, like puts him. I was going to say spanks him. But like, you know, if they do that too, like, OK, there's a lot of butt touching in basketball. We can admit that. <laughs> Um, but I meant it more in like the like punish, like, you know, get in line. Like I'm thinking of like my parents growing up being like, get your act together, um, not like sideline taps anyway. Um, and I don't think that Clinton Capella would have filled that role either. So I, I think that that's what was really missing from that team. OK, just just that because they're missing the size and you were bringing up height and everything. So just thought I'd make hey. sure with it. Height, so, it was missing, but there was other shit. Well, yes, too. there was, obviously. They didn't they didn't beat the champions. So, um, <laughs> But going from one team that's been kind of in a dumpster fire, now we're going to go into another team that I've been curious about that are possibly in a dumpster file with the Los Angeles Clippers. Jade, they just signed Ty Lue for a five-year deal. What do you think of that hiring? I don't know why... Ty Lu, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall during those interviews because I checked out Ty Lu on Basketball Reference in prep for this. And really, the conclusion I've come to is he is an unproven coach. His only head coaching experience was in Cleveland with LeBron. And we all know he was not running that show. I was surprised at the time that he wasn't fired, but I figured the only reason he wasn't fired was he was happy to let LeBron call the shots. I, I will say it's nice to see somebody that is a minority in another head coaching position. He is born in Mexico. So that's, you know, that's a nice thing to see with a big market team. But I don't know. I don't know if I get the fit. Um, because I don't really think we got a chance to see his coaching style in the years that he was a head coach. And I think it's interesting that it's only now all these years later that he is getting another head coaching opportunity. So he was an assistant before he had his three years in Cleveland, and then he went back to being an assistant for a bunch of years. And now he's the head coach. So I don't know, he must have just said all the right things in his interview. Because the, uh, the the numbers don't support what I would have thought the Clippers would be looking for. So you're saying, will this be his first real test as a coach? I think no so, es especially if the Clippers don't make a lot of moves. Because he's going to have to manage the personalities as well as the X's and O's. On a LeBron team, LeBron everybody just falls in line because LeBron's there. Right. There's not as much to have to manage in terms of dysfunction within the team because Braun's there. Like you're just going to do what you're supposed to do. No questions asked. Um, but as you said, like they fell apart, the Clippers fell apart. And now we're seeing that, you know, kind of all season long, there was issues with certain players getting preferential treatment. And, you know, Lou Williams is saying, no, that wasn't true. And like, it kind of seems like it must have been true the way that they played. There was no chemistry on the court, which tells me there couldn't have been chemistry in the locker room. So he's going to have to manage all of that, regardless of what moves may or may not be made. I've seen that Paul George is being shopped possibly too. So that might be a change that happens. But either way, they're not going to trade Kawhi and Paul George. And they both want load management. So... There's going to have to be some kind of resolution there for them to be successful, or 
the Clippers are going to continue to be a circus, which is so not what they wanted. Okay, you got you knocked out a couple ideas there with that. <laughs> um, so I'll throw this to you, Shay. Um, what do you think of the coaching hire? Oof. I mean, something similar. The thing with Lou is even when he took over that that 2016 Cavs, it's like he already took over a, a well-ran ship for the most part. And so it goes back to my my whole theory that a team has to have a good leader. And kind of like Jade said with the LeBron, it's that is one thing that we can't deny, even though LeBron is not like our our favorite. We cannot deny that he's a good leader. I mean, you talk about all the guys that have played with him, who have learned from him, who are friends with him on and off the court. I mean, that to me is something um, that not every team has. And and I think back to even with the Clippers, you know, Kawhi is a good player, but he's not that guy. And so when he was at San Antonio, he wasn't that guy. When he was at the Raptors, he wasn't that guy. He wasn't the leader, you know, like the kind of guy that I, I imagine they can text whenever, like, hey, what's up? Like, I, I don't think Kawhi is like texting back and forth, like, nothing much, dude. How was your day? Like, I just, you know, he is who he is. And I think that's great. And I, I think we need to see more men in spaces that are not like just like strong leaders because not everyone has that personality and that's fine uh I think of like the Raptors who I think of is like Lowry you know because it's like he's the kind of guy that like again like gets you fired up figures stuff out with you is able to do that and again the Clippers don't really have that and so you're taking on a team that has no real leader that not only has all of this issues on the court, off the court, in the locker room, you also have all the press around it. And I think that that's a hard thing, especially nowadays, because there there isn't just like reporters, there's the social media aspect. You, If Paul George does stay, you have a very sensitive Paul George. As I've mentioned before, I think he is like way too soft a soul to be uh, looking at social media stuff. And I think he does look at it. And that always like, I, I feel for him because, you know, he... Some of us just can't stop looking at our own like fire, dumpster fire that we created. And that's kind of how Paul George is. And and then, you know, and then he takes it personally. Well, it's something like Lou Will Williams is like going to get wings at a strip club. And he's just like looking at all the stuff. And he's like, whatever. My haters are my haters. Like, you know, Paul George isn't that guy. And so you have a coach coming into a leaderless team with so many personalities. Like the Clippers, when I think of them, they need their own like sitcom or like the <laughs> office type show where we just like interview them. We're like, what's going on in your brain right now? Because like, just think of all the personalities. It's so much. Like, I don't think there's another team that has like this many diverse people on one team and, and players. I mean, they are all, they're all good. Like, they are all good players. I just don't know if they mesh well together. And a, we're seeing that. It's a bit of a hodgepodge. It really is. Like, it feels like someone wrote this team and then just, like, breathed it into life. And now we have, like, the Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> like, they don't feel real. Speaking with all that drama, Shay, how is Lou going to handle it? I mean, I don't know his personality super well. Just, again, because I'm like what did he do after the Cavs? Like, what, like, you know, that's how I feel like with his hires. It's like, oh, cool. I know he's coached before, but like, is Where? he good? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah like, um, okay. So that, and that's kind of how I feel with, with this as well. It's, it, he's not like a, a seasoned coach to come in and like work through drama. Like, I feel like this is his first time working through drama. So it's interesting that they know that all these like kinks are in the team and then they pick some guy who is like not known for uh, like setting a team straight. And I know that like a lot of the coaches who are seasoned at kind of putting a team together are taken, uh, you know, like I, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's such an interesting thing with, with all of these coaches that are available or, and, the, and then they pick him. I just, I don't know how that's going to work. It reminds me a little bit of the Steve Nash thing with possible drama coming up in the new season with, with the personalities. I think we might see something similar, but here we know, we know there are issues versus we think there might be issues. I also read something in the past day or two that was not straight from 
Lou's mouth, but somebody saying that from what he has said, it doesn't sound like he's going to be on board with load management so much. So that's going to be a problem right there. I cannot imagine that that was not a big part of the conversation when Kawhi Leonard decided to sign in LA because it worked in Toronto. It worked like gangbusters in Toronto. And people have a hard time understanding that Kawhi Leonard is not a healthy dude. Like his injury is a chronic condition. He's going to have it for the rest of his life. So he's not like, he's not injured the way that we're used to with NBA players where, oh, they sprained an ankle. They're going to be off for two to four or six weeks and then they're back and no longer injured. No, he's maintaining a condition that he has every single time he plays. And if Ty Lue is not going to be on board with him managing that and they trade Paul George, I'm starting to think that the Clippers are going to be as much of a circus in the West as the Nets are going to be in the East. So I'm so excited to watch. Uh, I, <laughs> I need NBA to allow fans to get back because li- living two miles from Barclays, I'm like, I want to be at games. Like, I know the tickets have gone up because it used to be where you can get super cheap tickets. And I know they've gone up now that we have like two superstars, but I will sit in the nosebleeds and see that go down. Like, I want to see drama. Ugh. Anyway, side note. Speaking of special treatment, like with Kawhi and stuff, Shay, do you see Lou giving the special treatment or is he telling those players, suck it up? Okay, here's my whole theory. Like, okay, of course people are going to think Kawhi gets special treatment, but there's like a lot of things with Kawhi. Again, back to his personality. It's not like he like says something and, and then he's like, no. Like a coach isn't telling him to do something or to meet him and Kawhi's giving him attitude. He's probably just like, literally, I see him being the guy that texts back like, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just to the point, simple. So it's like, you know, again, Lou Williams going to get wings at a strip club. Like, you don't hear Kawhi Leonard doing that because that's just, like, not what he does. He doesn't just, like, create situations that he has to, like, get reprimanded for. So part of me is like, yeah, of course, he's a superstar. He gets preferential treatment. But on the other side, like, how much of it is difference in personality where he just doesn't need to be reprimanded the same way that some of the other dudes do? And with that, I, like, I I had one more point, but that I think that was my main one. I don't well, know I if can... I will do the same. I mean, but, like, oh, that was my other point. Oh, with Doc, sorry, with Doc, we cannot forget that Paul George is his daughter's ex like, fiancé, ex-boyfriend, whatever. So, of course, if it's between the two superstars, Doc gave preferential treatment to Kawhi. Like, Again, just and it sounds like he got quite a bit more preferential treatment than he got even in Toronto because he lived in San Diego. So he was late for flights and stuff regularly. I read that this week. Really? So he wasn't living in L.A. He was living out in San Diego. So he was late for stuff. And that was just like, I guess the Clippers organization looked at it as this is the cost of what we're doing. Right. What we're trying to accomplish. But for the core guys that were already there, so Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, and I'm forgetting who the third one is. Beverly. Patrick Beverly, yes. That was kind of like a bit of a slap in the face because here these guys are. They've been with the team when they were garbage. They are showing up on time all the time. They're not getting load management games off. And you're going to bring in this brand new guy So like, and I think I mentioned this before, I just don't think that situation was handled very well by the front office in kind of being clear about here's what we're doing, here's what it's going to cost us, let's talk about it, and if you have problems, let's air it out. Um, I have a feeling that never happened, and that's why things continued to bubble kind of under the surface all year long. And if that's true, if I'm right about that, the Clippers were kind of doomed before the season even started yeah. because there was never going to be enough chemistry for their play to be as good as it needed to be. We've all worked with a person we can't stand that we had had to work closely with. It's not a recipe for your best work. And you have to be really uber professional to kind of be able to rise above that and it not affect your performance. So when you're talking about a team sport where there's lots of moving parts and 
running and passing and all of that kind of stuff. Like we're not talking about paperwork anymore. We're talking about people physically having to work together to do something. Meanwhile, they're thinking, oh, Kawhi's not scoring enough. You didn't have to play last game. How come you're not, you know, like, I, I feel like all that stuff was happening. And it was this grand gesture for this season for them to pull in Kawhi and Paul George. And I have a feeling they're going to be back in obscurity, like by the end of next season. That quickly. Wow. Okay. 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 Well, also the players that were mentioned in this complaint are like, it was, so four players, was that right? Four players that complained? I said three. Three? Lou, Will, Montrez, Harrell, and Patrick Beverly. Well, still, that's like three of the biggest hotheads in the league. So, I mean, like, again, not saying that, like, preferential treatment, not cool. Like, sure. But, like, they are super, like, hotheads, and they're kind of known for that. So, But, like, it depends. Like, it was cool in Toronto, and it worked exactly like it was supposed to work. But that's because the whole team was bought in. They didn't care. They didn't care that Kawhi was missing games. They were like, all right, I get a chance to play. I get a chance to step up. I get a chance to, but they were cool with sitting on the bench the next game if that's what it took, right? right? So the buy-in makes kind of all the difference in the situation. Speaking of the continuation of coaching for the Clippers, one person that I think we've all showed appreciation for in Shauncee Billups has put his foot back in the league again as an assistant coach of the Clips. Jade, how bad do you feel for him right now? <laughs> I feel terrible. I love Chauncey Billups. Most people who've listened know that I was a Pistons fan. So I've been I've been a Chauncey Billups fan for a long time. But then hearing him, I've seen him on broadcasts being an analyst and all that kind of thing. Like he, one, he's a class act. Mm. Two he is a brilliant basketball mind. And three, he's a leader. And I wish he was with another team. Oh, or yeah. <laughs> he was the head coach and not the assistant coach for the Clippers. I just, I, my gut tells me the Clippers are not going to be in a good situation. And now he's going to be part of it. And I, I wish he wasn't. Uh, Shay, do you want him there? Would you like him on another team? I mean... I could see him more as the head coach, as Jay kind of mentioned. And even, like, bringing him in as the head coach of the Clippers would make a little bit more sense. Because it's like, yeah, you got, like, this personality that's, like, going to nurture this, like, broken up team. You know, we, I feel a little bit more confident in that idea. I mean, of course, him being an assistant, he's still going to bring a little bit of stability in. So, yeah, I mean, it makes me a little bit less skeptical of this whole experiment. However, I I kind of wish it was a team that I could see succeeding rather than him just, like, stepping into a trap, which is kind of the whole Clippers association right now. Yeah, I don't know how much stability would be enough stability to bring right. to the Clippers. Like, honestly, if he could have got um, in New Orleans or Philadelphia, I think that would have been a better spot for him as a head coach. Um, I think he's the kind of personality that could win over Joel Embiid, but still hold him accountable in ways that would help him grow. Mm, Yeah. And maybe even Ben Simmons too. I don't know. I just, something about his personality, I think would work well with those really talented, but still kind of young guys who haven't quite found their way because Chauncey Billups found his way late in his career, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't until he had been in the league for a minute. He'd been on a bunch of different teams. He's before, on the Wolves. Yeah. Before you realize, Hey, Chauncey Billups is good, like really good, but it took the right situation and the right people around him. And so I think he will understand the things that the young up-and-coming stars on both of those teams, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and then in New Orleans, Zion. And I think he would be a great influence on Ball and Mm. Brandon Ingram. I wish he was more on that kind of team. I think he has more to offer to players like that than he will have to whoever ends up being the Clippers roster next season. Just think if he went to New Orleans, have him as the head coach, and then you have Drew Holiday on the court as well, who is essentially a person who I hope becomes a coach when he retires. Speaking of also the continuation of coach, this is a really coach-heavy base episode. Wow. 
Both the Van Gundy brothers, Stan and Jeff, are being looked at by team. Jeff looking at closely by the Rockets, Stan's closely by the Pelicans right now. Regardless on ending on who t- which team he ends they end up with, Shay, who gets a job first? Oh. I want to say Jeff just because I I see him going to the Rockets. Like, I see that more confidently. Yeah. I just see it more confidently. I mean, and that was also the first, I think, rumor that was spread Mm -hmm. out. So, I mean, if it's still being talked about that, well, it could go either way. It could go that it's been talked about for too long and it's no longer true or it's continuing to be talked about because it's true. So, I, I could see him going there more than I can see Stan in New Orleans. Jade. Who do you think getting the job for getting just a job in general, Jeff or Stan? Well, I think because neither of them need the job, you know, like they're they they both work for national broadcasting for the NBA. Right. So it's hard for me to say, like, I prefer Stan, but that's also why I would prefer Jeff to get a coaching job. Right. So oh my god! Don't have to listen to him anymore. <laughs> I feel this so much. <laughs> well, side question with that: Who's going to replace Jeff then, there, Jade? Ah, uh, okay. So, do they both work for the same network, or is one ESPN and one is TNT? Stan, I think, works for both. Just Jeff the NBA only works network for ESPN. in general because okay. I've seen him on NBA TV too. Oh, okay. So I think he just works for the NBA network in general. Jeff, Jeff works for ESPN. With ESPN. I would like to see Chris Webber replace Jeff then. That would be my number one. Chris Webber? Okay. Yeah. Or if Chris Bosch decides he wants to be an analyst, because that guy's voice he is like to. butter. Oh, I would listen to him all day long. So, Shay, what, who, what about you? Who do you have replacing Jeff on ESPN? That's such a hard question. That's, oh my gosh. I. I think the reason it's so hard for me is because I'm so picky on analysts. And as I think I mentioned last episode too, it's like even the people I love, like they get on my nerves sometimes. So it's like, it really would have to be a trial and error thing. But I would also kind of like just for them to bring in someone new and possibly maybe another woman because like Doris Burke is holding a lot. And like, yet we've still never had like a woman who has covered the finals or you know what I mean like there's just little things that I'm like we're we're in 2020 like but then you remember that the only person that's that's really like commenting on games is Doris Burke you know the sideline reporters uh a lot of them are women but like the actual like people I have to listen to the entire game it's like Doris Burke that's it and so I know that journalism is like dying everywhere because (laughs) shout out to all my other journalists out there who are struggling but I would really like for them to maybe shop some new talent just because we've had like the same people for a while. Well, Anyone but Rachel Nichols. Okay, yes. Okay, no. Rachel That's Nichols important. asked some not good questions. And I'm like, okay. What do you guys think about Kristen Ledlow? I like Kristen Ledlow. I like her. Because yep. she has a podcast with Candace Parker, I think it is. It's not too bad, actually. So. Um. Well, and... I like Candace Parker, but she's like also kind of busy. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, so it's like still got, she's still playing a little bit. Like, we love your you. Like, I love when she does broadcast stuff, but then I'm also like, do you sleep? Like, are you okay? Are you taking care of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you guys feel about this idea? Cheryl Miller, Reggie's sister. She used to do a lot of sideline stuff, and she was awesome on TNT. And Ooh. she personality wise, like. She, Reggie and her will go both on record saying she was the better basketball player nice. out of the two of them. She would beat his butt all the time. Now so, I yeah, have... I'd be down for that. I, I have to say, like, I like Shay's idea. It is time. It, it's time that there was more than one woman on national games. Like yeah. the Brooklyn Nets do have on their regular team for their local. I, I can't remember her name. I can see her. She's blonde. I really enjoy her. But, like, of any of the other local broadcasts that I get, which, I mean, I don't get all of them, obviously, but, like, I can't think of anybody else that has a woman on their broadcast team, even just as, like, the individual team coverage. And so, yeah, that would be really cool if, you know, if the NBA is going to continue to lead the way and stuff like this. Right. This is an area that should not be overlooked. I mean, they're one step away from having 
a head coach. So exactly. Let's get this. Let's get the analyst side for it. And also, like, shout out to all the journalists who are like, you know, ten years out of college and struggling to get jobs. You know, it's just like it kind of reminds me of the Van Gundys. I'm like, do you guys really need these jobs? Like, <laughs> like, you know, like they they're not like worried about their financial state. And so just like it's a it is a dying industry and I, I hate that. But then at the same time, that's why I would love to to see some new people in it. And last thing I want to touch about um, the wonderful Knicks, how they always, always <laughs> seem to be in rumors. But this one I saw, I thought might be a little bit interesting. So Knicks franchise is being sold to Disney CEO. Jade, is okay. this the rebirth of the franchise, if this is true? Okay, I was gonna, that was where I was going to start. Is this confirmed, or is this just this like... Is, this is, if this is true, these are the rumors that's been going on for a couple days now. Because, honestly, like, knowing what I know about the Knicks, I don't see Dolan ever selling them just out of spite at this point. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> just purely out of pettiness. So until, like, there's actual official thing, I don't even really think about that. But since I'm being forced to think about it... Hypothetically. I don't think there's any way you can remove Dolan from the conversation, and it is not a brand new day for the Knicks. Like, if you can get that done, the sky's the limit, because you're still the New York Knicks. And that's the kind of thing that Dolan can hold it back as long as he's there. But when he's gone, you're still the New York Knicks. Anything mm-hmm. can happen. Um, Shay, what about you? What do you th- is this going to be, if it oh. happens, just play with that idea for a little bit. Is this the new era of the Knicks? Oh my gosh, it would be possibly a new era for the NBA. I mean, they're a big market. You have the Brooklyn Nets who are trying to be the new New York team. And then you get a new owner who... Like Jade said, if it's not Dolan, it's already better. Therefore, like, it could be anyone. I could buy the New York Nets. Knicks, sorry. That was, like, a Freudian slip because I'm thinking of the Nets. Anyway, but I cannot physically or financially buy the New York Knicks. But if I did, I would do better than Dolan. Wow. Franchises. I could not talk right now. But, yes, I would do better. And and that's because, like, I'm not just trying to, like, tank a team because I know it's still going to make money even if it's tanking. I mean, it just does not make sense to me that he does not see the potential he has in having the Knicks be a successful team. Like, Madison Square Garden still sells tickets and makes money. And they still can charge outrageous amounts because tourists come to town when it's not corona. And... They buy these expensive tickets and they still, they don't sell out every game because I've been to games that were very low attended, but you know what I mean? Like they're still making a decent amount and they're still the New York Knicks. So add some good players, add some winning in and you would make more. It's just like it in my head does not make sense how he does not see this. And so you put someone in there that has that kind of want to, to see them succeed. You might see a change in the entire league in four or five years. Like, literally, all somebody would have to do is buy it and let whoever's there run it, and it would be better. Right. Like, if James Dolan could just take his hands out of it and let it, let people who know basketball do it. Like, over the years, he's had some great people in the organization. He's had some really terrible ones, too. But, like, he's the common denominator. Because even when the great people were there, they were terrible. So even if he would be willing to just let me hire people I believe in mm-hmm. and and just collect a check, that's all you have to do. That's yeah. all he would have to do. So literally removing him from the equation, like, anything is possible for the Knicks if that were to happen. Anything is possible. Today's fast break is presented by PropMe. PropMe is a social wagering platform catered to the everyday sports fan. It has a peer-to-peer betting marketplace for social wagering. It's an all-sports betting platform that includes eSports, a company that leads in social wagering innovation. Join PropMe on Google Play Store or Apple App Store today. Join in and sign up for the movement. Okay, fast break time. The 
time of the show where I come up with my own questions that Jade and Shay do not know anything about, so they have to give their on-the-spot response. First question, Jade. Going into the offseason, who do you think is going to do the most moving? Ooh. <laughs> I'm trying to, like, cycle through just so I don't use my recency bias because the first team that came to my head was Houston, but that might be just because we just talked about them. I think there are teams that should do a lot of moving that are not going to, like the 76ers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go a little bit off what you might think. I think the Lakers are going to have to make a lot of moves. I, they've got a couple of free agents. I don't think they're going to be able to sign everyone. AD is going to opt out and become unrestricted free agent. So whether he stays there or not, I think it's likely that he does. But I think in order to keep him, they're going to have to make some space. And the age of the roster as well. If they're not ready to go into rebuilding, I think they're going to need some fresh blood. Shay, same question. Who is going to be doing the most moves this upcoming offseason? This is so hard. I'm like trying to filter through all the teams in my head. Like what team exists other than like Dallas, Miami, OKC, Denver? Um, oh, this is such a, like, I do agree with Jade that I think the 76ers do need to make some changes, and I don't think they're going to make the, if they make changes, I don't think they're going to be the right ones. Uh, (laughs) oh, God, this is such a hard question. Taylor, why did you do this to us? I mean, I do think that there's going to be some changes at OKC. I could be safe and just say that. Um, I mean, that's totally fine if you say that, because there's a lot of potential stuff going on in OKC. Yeah, and I, I will go with that because I still think Chris Paul is, I don't think he's going to stay. I don't know if that's just to protect my own like mental state and knowing that next season could be our rebuild, the beginning of our rebuild. But we also have, as we mentioned last episode, Gallinari, he's a free agent. Um, we have some young guys and some picks that I think could be used to get some trades in and out. So I, I could see all of that being maneuvered. Also, we we are always making changes in the offseason. So I I mean, yeah. Okay, see. We'll just say that. Okay, see with that. Okay, yeah. okay, 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 okay. Um, Shay, who's going to have a better season, Doc or Lou? I'm going to have to go with Lou just because I, I feel better in the potential of the players there. Again, I don't think the 76ers are – like, it's funny to me that – Doc doesn't want to rebuild a team, but yet what is kind of needed at the 76ers is at least like like a, a reboot. A retool. A retool. That's right. That's what you taught us. Retool. Because, like, again, they need to make some changes, and I don't know if they're going to. And so it's just interesting that he thinks that that's the safety net um, there. We'll see. I, I hope for Lou's sake that it's good. Um, but, yeah, we already talked about all that. <laughs> um. Then Jade, Doc or Lou, who's got a better season? So that's a tough one based on what we already said is that the Sixers are unlikely to make big changes and the Clippers are probably going to make some big changes. I'm going to say the Clippers because Doc is walking into a situation that already doesn't work and isn't going to change. At least the Clippers are looking, it sounds like, to make some changes. It kind of sounds like they're going to have to from the players, the rumors going around. Like, even if the rumors aren't all true, there's enough there to start a rumor. So there's there's smoke. So there's got to be some fire there somewhere. And I think the Clippers organization is going to have no choice but to make moves. Whereas the Sixers organization, Embiid and, and Simmons are happy to stay. Don't ask me why, because one of them should be asking for a trade, like, yeah. two seasons ago. I don't understand it, but because they're going to stand pat on the two big pieces that have needed changing for a while now, I don't think Doc Rivers has enough to to turn that around. I don't think any coach does. I think they're fundamentally flawed in ways that cannot be overcome by coaching. Okay, so we have an answer of Doc, and then we have an answer of Lou. Okie dokie. We'll have to revisit this one. Yeah, we will. I know. We're going to have to. Mental note for that one. We'll pin that one in the group chat. Um, All right. Last question. So Denver just released their top five all time. Nick Van Exel, Dikembe Mutombo, uh, Alex English, 
Nikola Jokic and Chauncey Billups. No mellow. Shay, yay or nay on that? Do you agree or disagree? Okay, so... Okay, part of me wants to say that I disagree. However, um, when it came out, I mentioned it, and my boyfriend was like, well, yeah, they had a horrible breakup. And then I like, well, I, I don't think he said breakup, but in my head it was like a breakup. Yeah. And um, so I looked into it and it was a really bad parting. So I wonder if there's still tension between like just the nuggets in general and the same way that like, for example, like I could see Oklahoma City doing the same thing to Katie, even though like obviously Katie is probably one of the best players we've had in the short time that we've been around. Um, but I could see them doing that. And so I wonder if it's the same type thing where it's just like, ah, we had a, we have some tension. We're just not going to put you on. So I like the drama aspect. So I'm just going to go with, I mean, I'm probably more pro Denver than I am pro mellow, even though he he's redeeming himself in my eyes, but yeah. So I'm going to say Denver, go Denver. You do you. Jade, how about you? So I'm going to disagree, but for not the reasons you probably think. Okay. And it also comes back down to the Mello trade. If Mello had not put the Knicks in a position where they felt like they had to trade for him now or, or he might sign somewhere else in free agency, Denver, with Messiah Jury making the calls, does not get all the pieces that eventually land them where they are now. So mm. even though it was not an amicable parting, you kind of have to thank Mello because... If he had just waited till free agency, Denver doesn't get all those pieces that Messiah Jury the Knicks for that set them on the path to where they are now. They would have just lost him and and got nothing for him in free agency. That's so such a good point. I would have made him a favorite for being such a dumbass and allowing <laughs> them the opportunity to acquire all these pieces that they have been able to move and finesse and strategize to be the Denver Nuggets they are today. I get that. I get that. They did trade up their pretty much their entire... Dolan did Dolan and traded everything for one player. Without further ado to things, just like Melo being left off the top five list, we're out. <laughs>